0: Hey, everyone, this is Matt with a special overflow pod special because, well, the one I was supposed to do, I can't give to you. I was supposed to talk about destructive patterns in our lives. And well, God is kind of working on me on that, so I'm not ready to talk about it yet. So we're going to continue on our building character series, focusing on building our vision in order to see we need to remember God's intention for us as his children, as his followers, as Christians. What is God trying to do in and through our lives? Well, the most important thing that God has done for us, sending his son Jesus for us, is not just to save us from our sins. It's not just to restore our relationship with him, but it's also to make us like his son, Jesus, to shape us into his image. It's not just to provide us with salvation, but to transform us. Romans eight twenty nine says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. We are to be conformed into the image of Jesus, simply becoming like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18 describes what the process we call sanctification, or becoming like Jesus. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the Lord is who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Now this isn't an instant event. It's going to take our entire lifetime. The Bible says he works in us and we become like him. And how do we know that we're becoming like him? Well we have fruits like him. Galatians five twenty two 22 says when the Holy Spirit controls our lives he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, Patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and that's really a picture-perfect verse of Jesus. But there's verses right before that set, that set up a really strong contrast of what it's like when we're the ones in control of our own personality, when we're not growing, when we're not being shaped into the image of our Christ, but rather into our own image, whatever that may be. Galatians five nineteen to twenty-one says when you follow the desires of your sinful nature rather than having the Holy Spirit be in control, the results are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. So the Bible sets it up real clear. You want to know what it's like to be transformed into the image of Christ? That's in the next verse, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's how you can know that God is working in you and shaping you into his image. But if instead your life is reflective of verse 19 to 21, well, you are being transformed back into yourself. You see, when I'm in control of my personality, I will leave damage in my wake. But when God's in control, I'm going to leave a blessing in my wake. If you're not sure what's going on in your life, take a look behind you. Look back at your life. Look back and say, have I left any damage behind me? Damage people? Damaged relationships? Damaged connections? Or do I leave mostly a blessing? That people knowing me, they come away better because they know they're loved and cared for. I've not damaged people, but I've left blessings. All of us want to be those kinds of people who leave blessings and not damages. We don't want to make a mess behind us but you don't know what's really going on behind you and what's really going on in your heart. And so look back behind you and you're gonna to start to see maybe a clear picture of what's going on in your life. Now, years ago, I went to a nursing home to visit a church member. And while I was walking to his room, there was someone who came out into the common room with a sweater, a shirt, he had a tie on, socks and shoes, but he didn't have any pants on. He just had his boxers. One of the residents who had just said hi to me yelled, Alan, what are you doing? And Alan said, What are you talking about? He goes, You don't have any pants on. And he goes, Alan replied, Yes, I do. What's wrong with you? Who would put on their shoes before their pants? Just be quiet, you old coot. And I started to pay attention to this crazy scene of Alan. And it wasn't just the one guy started to yell at him. Everybody started to yell at him and argue with him that he's not wearing any pants. And Alan doesn't even look down to see if he doesn't wear any pants because he knows he put on his pants. Because how could you forget to put on your pants if you put on your shoes? So one of the caregivers at the time came over and said, Alan, I want uh, want to see something in your room. Let's talk about it in your room. Alan just responded. They're all crazy. He was very unhappy with how people looked at him. Alan thought they were all wrong, and they were all crazy, and they maybe they were trying to prank him or something, but they were right. And sometimes this is exactly true in my life. How many times am I like Alan? People in my life have tried to tell me some things about myself, about the way I relate, the ways that I talk, how I interact, and I've insisted that, yes, I too have my pants on. They're wrong. And then I'll say it a little bit louder, can, You know, because that'll make everything better. You know, if you yell, it'll say clearly how right you are. (laughs) That's what I was taught growing up by my parents. I'm not happy with their evaluation of me, so I disagree loudly. But in reality, many times, those closest to me are right. Why do we do that? Why is there a disconnect? Why don't we see that we don't have pants on? Why do we have a hard time seeing ourselves the way other people see us? Well, because we have blind spots. You know, you, you ever drive in a car, I'm teaching my 16-year-old how to drive a car, and I keep telling her, always double-check because you have blind spots. You can't see everything. And it's true. I've gotten into so many near accidents because I didn't see a car in my blind spot. When I learned how to drive as a as a motorcyclist, yeah, I, I learned to stay away from people's blind spots. I would always either come up right next to them so that they couldn't hear, see, so they could see me, or I'd rev my engine if I saw them coming over into my lane or something. If I was in their blind spot, I would, I would try to move right away. And, you know, it's, it's important. Blind spots, especially an emotional blind spot, I would define it this way. The places in our personality where we lack clarity, insight, and awareness of ourselves and of our patterns of reacting and relating in life. We all have them. Nobody is immune. It's not like you can ever outgrow them and all of a sudden you're spiritually mature or emotionally mature. No, we still have the blind spots. And if you're not sure that you have them, just advise you to think back to your life, back to high school, back to college, back to early relationship, back to people that you've been close to your whole life. And are there some things that people who get the close to you say over and over again? It doesn't matter. How about you go from one relationship, you break up, and then in the very next relationship, they break up with the same reason that the first person told you. Maybe there's something going on there. See, there's some things that people have said to you about yourself throughout your life, and you've had a hard time believing them to be true. One of my former professors at seminary, Paul Tripp, said it this way. We can become blind to our own blindness. And even when we have flashes of insight... We have these moments in which maybe you're in a conversation with somebody or a conflict and this little light glimmers in your head and they're telling you something. And for a moment you think, oh, wow, maybe it's true about me. But of course you don't take it seriously and act on it. And that little flash of insight goes away. And over time, those little flashes of insight stop coming at all. And you become rigid and locked into those places where you're stuck. So why would we refuse to see the truth? Because that's what we do. When we have blind spots, when we don't have our pants on, we refuse to believe the truth. We would rather believe a lie. And I think there's a bunch of reasons for that, that we choose blindness over sight. And the first one is pain. Sometimes it just flat out hurts to expose or reveal a blind spot. It hurts me to realize I'm not the kind of person I think I am. It hurts me to realize I'm not as compassionate or as sensitive or I'm a hurtful person. I say mean things. Why would we want to experience that pain? Just ignore it. Second, pride. I mean, flat out pride. We think of ourselves better than we are, and we refuse to admit that we're, we're not. Third reason, fear. There are times when people point things out to us, and we get those flashes of insight, and then we get scared because we don't know how to be any different. Even if we're to say to somebody, well, maybe there's some truth to what you're saying. But inside of us, there's a sense of, I don't know how to be any different. This is the way I've always been. What if I try and I actually get worse? And we're afraid to venture into that territory. What if we can't be different? Fourth reason. This is a big one for me. Laziness. It just takes too much work to change. It's hard to change. It's hard to grow. You know what? It's kind of comfortable. You get kind of comfortable with your brokenness. I've been this way. It sucks to be you. And, you know, well, this is it. This is who I am, and this is what you get. That's just laziness. Then you have stubbornness. You're just like, no, I'm not going to change. You're, you change. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. <laughs> you know, and you just kind of give up. There's one more that the more I think about it, the more I appreciate how hard it is. And that's the sixth reason is trauma. Painful things that happened to us that wounded us and scarred us in the past, especially in our childhood. Those things that were abusive, that were violent, things that we witnessed, things that were done to us, things that we saw done, things that people said that were cruel, that were meant to harm us, that were meant to belittle us, meant to tear us down. And those things over time can create a distorted view within ourselves of ourselves. And we can no longer see clearly, not so much because we don't want to, but because we are We were younger, we developed some ways to cope with that pain, to cope with that trauma. And it served us really well when we were kids or maybe when we were young adults, but because it got us through. But as we've grown and as you mature and as you become a person, a whole person that's trying to be shaped into the image of God, those things will no longer serve you and they get you and get you where you want to go. And trauma can be one of those things that distorts the way that we look at ourselves and it creates blind spots. we all have our blind spots for one of those various six reasons we don't want to address, but we need to in order to grow into the man or woman of God that he wants us to be. So where do we begin? What's our first step to become like Jesus, to start to see, to start on this vision quest, if you will? It all starts with a prayer, a simple request to God. You want to grow to change? Pray to God, please reveal to me my blind spots. I don't want to be in control of my personality, leaving damage in my wake. I want you to have control uh, so I can leave a blessing. Now, this is a very dangerous prayer because God will show you your blind spots and it will not be fun. But if you're serious about wanting to build character and becoming like Jesus, then I challenge you to pray that. However, I want to warn you, you know kind of like Jack Nicholson in A Few Good Men, one of my favorite movie rants of all time. You say you want the truth? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth, his little line with Tom Cruise. And and I love what comes next on that. You can't handle the truth, Jack Nicholson says. And he goes, you don't want the truth because deep down in places you don't talk about, at the parties, you want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. We use words like honor, code, loyalty. We use these words as the backbone of a life spent spending defending something. You use them as a punchline. I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the very freedom that I provide and the questions the manner in which I provide it. I'd rather that you just said thank you and went on your way. Otherwise, I suggest you pick a weapon, stay in the post. Either way, I don't give a damn you think you're entitled to. Wow. Jack Nicholson says that so much better than I just did. We really don't want the truth. We can't handle the truth because the truth is so hard to accept. So if you're going to pray this to God and ask him to show us your blind spots, you're going to need to focus And say, it's going to come heavy and hard in your life. And you're going to be like, I don't know the truth anymore. Because it's going to hit you hard. And so you need to focus on verses like Psalm 19, verse 12 to 14, where it says, God, how can I know the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me. Cleanse me from these hidden faults and keep your servant from deliberate sins. So it's like I know there's stuff I can't see and it's hidden. So show me that to me. And then help me deal with the things that I know about, that I'm doing. Don't let them control me. And then I'll be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth, the external things you're going to see and hear, and the meditation of my heart, the things you'll never know I'm thinking and feeling and believing, may these, God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And once we ask God to show us our blind spots, what will your response be? I think there are three possible ways to respond. First is just to reject it. It's not true. Keep insisting you're wearing pants. Okay? You can go through life thinking you're wearing pants and everybody else around you will know that you're not and you can reject what you hear about your blind spots. Second, you could acknowledge it. You can say, you know what? That just might be true about me. and You can say, I'm going to stop doing X, Y, and Z whatever it is that someone's telling me not to do. And you can try in your own effort to do it. And you're saying, okay, I'm going to stop. And that's better than rejecting it, but it's not going to take you very far. But there's a third alternative. And that's the one you should strive for. It's to acknowledge it and let God root it out. But other people can see the bad fruit that you're producing. They can see the stuff that's coming out from your life that's not healthy, it's not helpful. And they can see because it's pretty obvious. But what they can't see is the root. They can't see why you're doing what you're doing, and I don't want to just be content with trying to pluck off the bad fruit. I want to. I don't want to keep producing it. I want God to get in there and get to the root of it. Get me to stop producing that bad fruit, not just plucking it and throwing it away. I want to be like Galatians five twenty two, not the three verses before. And that's the part of house and sanctification that's God's part. He shows me where I'm wrong. He reveals it to me. I see it. I bring it back to him. And God, do your work inside of me so that I don't keep producing this fruit. And that's how growth happens. So how can we learn to accurately see ourselves? Four things. First of all, you have to go to start from this place. You got to know and believe and accept that you are loved by God. You got to start from that place that you're God's beloved, that he adores you, that you're precious in his sight that you bring a smile to his face, even in your brokenness, even in your mess, even in your wounds, even in your immaturity. Remember, he sent Jesus to die for you, that all he had to do was ask, and that you don't have to do anything else. It's all of his grace. And you gotta remember, God doesn't love you any more or any less. Whether you get all this right, and you start to see your blind spots and change, or you do nothing, his love for you isn't gonna budge. Because his love is not depending on you or anything you do, and starting from the place of knowing that you are his beloved and that he longs for you to walk in freedom from your blind spot, that he loves you. Romans 8 1 says, now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Even as God is talking to you, he's not doing that through a condemning voice. Remember, your sins have been forgiven by Jesus. It's done. It's over. If you asked him as your savior, it's gone. So why are you still feeling guilty? Stop it. You cannot accurately see yourself. You cannot begin to change until you accept that you are loved by God through doing nothing of your own. Second thing to do is to look at an accurate mirror. It's so important to look at ourselves through an accurate mirror because of the distorted mirror that many of us got. The distorted views that we've given to ourselves over time that we've gotten from what other people have said to us and about us, and that we get defensive when we look at a real mirror because we've been hurt by so many fake mirrors in the past. James 1, 22 to 25 it's talking about the Word of God. It says, remember, it's a message to obey, not just to listen to. Don't fool yourself, for if you just listen and don't obey, is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror, but as soon as he walks away, he can't see himself anymore or remember what he looks like. God's word is always an accurate mirror for us. It won't tell you anything that is not true about you. You can trust what God shows you about yourself in his word. He will show you first that you're his beloved, second that his word and his evaluation is right. God's correction, though, never comes to us through that voice of disdain, the voice of guilt, the voice of judgment. It comes through the voice of love. He's the only one voice that will accurately tell you the truth every time about yourself. And to know that I can look at his word and I know that I'm his loved and that when he speaks to me, he speaks correction to me. He tells me, Matt, you know, sometimes you think you got it all together, but you don't. You're actually poor and naked and blind and weak and miserable, but that's okay. I love you just the way you are, but I love you too much to let you stay that way. So I'm going to transform you then that deals with the fear that I have and you probably have at some point in your life. If people really knew me, they wouldn't want to be friends with me. They would run away. They wouldn't love me. But we, we know that God sent His Son Jesus knowing everything bad about us, how much he loves us, and there's no condemnation. You don't need to be afraid. he will set you free. The third thing, once you've done this internal daily work with God, and you're you know that you're loved by God. So anything you say he says to you is going to be because you love me. And then go to his word for that accurate picture that reworks the mirror that you've been looking through all these years. And now comes the hard part is just look at the external and start examining your relationship for patterns of behavior. Start looking for typical interactions with the people close to you and see if there are repeated places of conflict, places of misunderstanding, places of where you're accused of not relating well, of not responding well to life and to people, to circumstances. Because there's that old adage, looks like a duck, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck. It's probably a duck or a duck call. No, <laughs> that applies here. Why can't we just work this stuff out with God? Why can't we just let God transform us in our quiet time with him? And, you know, why can't we just transform that way? Because that's not how it works. God is interested in our relationships and our willingness to do the hard work with each other. If God shows me something about myself, he's perfect. So the perfect him is talking to the imperfect me. It's tough, but I can deal with that because I know how much he loves me. But once we get that down, then we have to worry about dealing with other people. Now it's somebody who's imperfect talking to me who's imperfect. And that's not easy. Because who gives them the right to do that? The thing is, God's got to give you the grace. He says, I know how hard you tried. I know you've been wounded. I know the scars. I know the broken place. I know everything about you. So God has given us so much grace. And he gives us the credit for how, where we've tried. But our friends, on the other hand, our spouses, they are not able to see what's going inside of you. They're not going to give you the same credit. They're not going to see the parts where you tried. They will just see the parts where you failed. You're not going to see the times that you zipped your lips because instead of saying that great singer that would have really crushed that person, you held it back. All they will see is that one time when you did say it, where you did give it. They won't see how you're wounded, how many scars you have, the trauma that you've been through. This is where we start to restore relationships, working first with God and then carrying it into our external relationships, and that's not easy. So ask yourself regularly, and there's five questions here that you can ask yourself. First, what is it I'm pretending not to know? That one kills me every time. What is it that I'm pretending not to know? Second, what is it that I'm pretending not to know is not a problem? Well, as I keep saying, that's not a problem, but it's a big problem. I'm pretending. What is it that I'm pretending that I've overcome, that I've grown past? Oh, yeah, I used to be like that. Oh, that one's hitting me hard right now. I think that's one of the reasons why I couldn't get over, I couldn't do the destructive patterns in your life, because as I started to write the talk on it, I realized, you know what, maybe... I haven't overcome these destructive patterns, so how can I tell other people to get over it when I can't even talk about it? So that's going to be fun when I can finally give that message. Hopefully it'll only be a week. Really, God's working on me. I just don't know if I'll be ready. But if anyone's told you several times, more than once, please pay attention. Because maybe you're not as good a listener as you think you are. Then the fourth thing is to establish a daily practice of humility before God so that you come to God and you deliberately and intentionally say to him, God, please reveal to me my blind spots. I recognize that I'm blind to my own blindness, and I need your help to be able to see. And I come in a posture of humility that says, I think sometimes I got this mastered. I think I'm good at this relationship stuff. I think I'm doing good, but God, I recognize there's probably things I can't see. So please show me. That is when it is great if you don't know where to start with your blind spots or don't know where to continue. Just focus on Psalm 51, where it says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my shameful deeds. They haunt me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned and I've done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. From the moment my mom mother conceived me, but you desire honesty from the heart so you can teach me to be wise in an inmost being. Purify me from my sins and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You've broken me, now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. You would not be pleased with sacrifices, or I would bring them. If I brought you a burnt offering, you would not accept it. The sacrifice you want is a broken spirit, a broken and repentant heart. O God, you will not despise. I think I'm gonna pray this to God every day because there's so many things that I thought. I've overcome, but are actually big, huge blind spots that I need to deal with. And if you're serious about learning to truly see, I encourage you to do the same. Because amazing things will happen if you do it. Because I'm tired of being blind. I want to see. I want the truth to set me free. And I want that for you as well. So, well, I hope that encouraged you a little bit. And next pod, I hope I'll be ready to talk about dealing with destructive patterns in your life. Have a wonderful day and enjoy this great spring weather. God bless. See you next pod.